You know, sometimes waiting is absolutely the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? It, it seems like this year has been a year of waiting. Uh, waiting for uh, race relations to improve. Waiting for the spread of COVID to slow down, stop. Waiting for a vaccine. Waiting for election results. Waiting for activities to resume as normal. I mean, it just... It seems like this year, more than any other, is a year of waiting. And sometimes, man, waiting is the hardest part. You know, they say that patience is a virtue, but it seems to me that our supply of patience is running about as low as the supply of toilet paper was around March of this year. There's just not a lot to go around these days, right? And I think it's worse right now because of all that we've gone through and what this year has been like. But I would say even apart from the uh, weirdness of 2020, we in general are not a very patient society. Would you agree with that? We, we just have learned to not be very patient. I, I have to say of myself, you know, I, I find that there are far too many uh, examples of ways that, that I'm just not patient. And I was thinking through this this week, you know, how do I find impatience coming up? Sitting in a red light, light turns green. If it takes more than, you know, two seconds at the most for the car in front of me to go, I'm frustrated, right? Let's get going. We got places to go. We got things to do. We're going to make sure we get through this red light, you know, not, not a whole lot of patience there. Um, going through a, a drive-thru. If you ever go through a drive-thru to pick up some food, I mean, if you have to wait longer than five minutes to get your meal, I mean, come on, you know, you're frustrated at that point and just very, very impatient. If you are are, uh, you know, wanting to get on the internet, whether it's on your phone, computer, whatever, and it takes more than, you know, maybe one second for the website to load up. I mean, stop and think about this for a minute. If it's not there instantaneously, then I begin to get frustrated. What's wrong? Something is wrong. And, you know, I was thinking about that and just thinking about how our expectations and what we get used to can increase our level of impatience. Talking about websites, you remember what it was like 20 years ago, maybe even, you know, probably not even that long, 15 years ago, trying to get to a website. So this is just a little walk down memory lane. Let me see if this rings a bell with anybody. Let's just have a little fun here. Y'all remember this? Twenty-six seconds of your life that you'll never get back again right there that was normal right not that long ago and we were excited that we could just get on the internet this new thing that nobody really you know knew much about and yet now I mean if it doesn't happen right away instant connection instant upload everything has to be done instantaneously that's what we've become accustomed to in our culture and um, you know, there, there are some challenges that come with that. By the way, speaking of computer stuff, just thinking about how things have progressed, my mind also was thinking back. My, my first full-time ministry position, and it, I don't know, it was 26, 25, 26 years ago, something like that. I remember uh, early on in the office, my boss told me, go ahead and go get a computer uh, that you can have for your desk. And for the uh, memory, or for the, the hard drive on that computer, he said, go ahead and get a, a gigabyte hard drive. 
which was a big deal back then. You know, go ahead and get a full gigabyte of a hard drive space. Now, you know, we have phones that literally have 1,000 times that much ability to, to store on the hard drive of the phone, on a phone, 18,000 times as much on some of the most powerful computers. I mean, it's just crazy to think about how things have progressed so rapidly in such a short period of time. And our expectations with that are, I think it, it adds to our level of impatience because we just get used to things, you know, progressing very quickly and happening very quickly. So I think the passage that we are in today, we're going to wrap up our study in the book of James, is just so appropriate for us where we are living today, especially in 2020. We are in James chapter 5 today, starting in verse 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Patience, it says. We're instructed there to be patient in um, in suffering, be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, keep in mind the context of this book, the timing of this book. If you did, didn't know this or haven't said this previously, James is considered by most scholars to be the first of the New Testament books that was written. Sometime in the mid-40s or so is likely when this book was, was written. So stop and think about that for a minute. Around 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's not a lot of time. So there hasn't been the opportunity for a lot of time to pass. There hasn't been an opportunity for a whole lot of, of theology, especially around this idea of Jesus' return, because what the disciples did know, and, and we see in Scripture that Jesus was taken up into heaven, and they were told by an angel in the same way that he went up before you, he will return. So they don't know. Does that mean he's going to return next week? Does that mean next month? Does that mean next year? There was this anticipation. Jesus is going to come back. We need to be prepared for that. And they didn't have really a framework for understanding when is that going to happen. Can you imagine living in that sense of maybe expectation of maybe Jesus is coming back now and going through the things the early church went through. The book of Acts, you see that the church is beginning to undergo a great deal of persecution. Things are getting difficult for believers. They're starting to be, you know, they're arrested, they're thrown in jail. There are Christians that are going to be martyred for their faith. All this is happening, and I would imagine that the church is thinking, okay, Jesus, where are you? When are you coming back? We're ready for you to come back. We don't want to continue on in this suffering. And so James gives them this encouragement and he tells them to be patient until the Lord's coming. And then he gives them an example. And he talks about the farmer. What a great example of patience, right? There are certain things that a farmer has to do 
in order to prepare for a crop. I mean, the, the ground doesn't prepare itself. The seed doesn't plant itself. The harvest doesn't harvest itself. You know, but you, you, there are certain things you have to do, right? There are preparation, there are steps that need to be taken, but there are also things that are outside the farmer's control. So he or she does whatever they can do to prepare properly, but then they just have to wait. They have to be patient. It says they, they wait for the autumn for the spring rains to come. Now, certainly in our culture today, there's a little bit more, you know, of maybe irrigation and things that they can do to help with that process. But there's still a lot that is totally outside of our control. I mean, think about what happens when an extremely cold winter comes and destroys. A lot of times you hear this kind of stuff in the news all the time. It destroys crops. You know, looking back, 1985, there was a, a record cold in the state of Florida, 90% of the orange and grapefruit crops were wiped out that year. What do those farmers do about that? There's really nothing they can do. And so it's this, this beautiful picture of do your work, do your preparation, do what you can do to get ready, but then realize that ultimately the end result is kind of out of your hands to a certain degree. I mean, there's some things that we can do to, to prepare and hope for a good harvest, but ultimately if the rains don't come or the, the cold comes more severely or whatever, weather types of things or storms, you just don't know. And so how do you stay patient in a time like that? Here's the first main idea that I want to share with you today. And that is that patience requires focusing on the end goal. That, that's what you do. Because the farmer does what the farmer does because they are looking forward to a crop. They're looking forward to a harvest. And that's why they're patient. That's why they wait. There's no way to rush the process, right? I read something recently. It was talking about how you know, we want to rush the process of everything and, and kind of do things all together at the last minute. And the example was cramming for an exam. Do you remember this? Cramming for an exam maybe the night before. You just want to cram everything in, learn it all right the night before the test. Um, and, and, and this is what it said in that book. It said, there's no cramming on a farm. <laughs> That's true, right? You can't just put all of a, of a uh, season's worth of work into one day. It doesn't work that way. And, and, and so this, you know, we, we have to go through the process, but you do that knowing that there is a, a goal in mind and you have your, your, your focus on the end goal. Now for us as believers, the end goal is realizing Jesus is returning or we're going to be with him. And when we do, we want to be able to stand before Jesus knowing that we've done everything we possibly could to honor him and knowing that, that eternity is going to be you know, that the, the, the we will enjoy the fruits of those rewards for, for eternity. And so that's our, our main goal. It's kind of an eternal mindset and focusing on Christ and what eternity holds. But we have to have an end goal in mind in order to continue to persevere. Now back to the school analogy. Y'all, we are really enjoying the fact that both of our girls are home with us right now. They came home a couple days ago. It's been a while since we've had them both home. They're off at college and now they're back with us. Uh, we're going to enjoy every bit of it we can the next uh, week or so that they're both here. Um, but I was thinking about this with our oldest daughter, Brooke. She's in nursing school. Nursing school is tough. You know, they work them hard. And um, this is her first semester and she's, she's been doing well with her first semester of nursing school. I'll tell you this, that girl works hard on her school. She's in class almost all day, every day. 
And then on top of that, it's studying, it's exams, you know, finals are coming up, all this kind of stuff. It's a lot of hard work. And one of the things that I know is there are times where she gets impatient. She gets tired of it, right? There are times where she's like, I don't want to get, most of it's online now. I don't want to get on my computer for another class or another seminar or another review or, or those kinds of things. But she does it because there's an end goal in mind, right? And the end goal is not just to get through the program. The end goal is she wants to be a nurse, that's what she feels like God has called her to do. And so you go through the steps and you're patient even during the times of difficulty because there's something out there. I'm going to tell you right now that, that if, if she knew that all of this would not end up getting her a job as a nurse, I don't think she would be very motivated to go through all those things, right? We need something that continues to push us forward that we can say, okay, this is what I'm doing this for. There is a crop to look forward to. That's why I put in all the back-breaking work and preparation and do all the things that I do because something is coming on the other end. And so, so we need to have that, that, that focus, and that's what helps us to have patience. And then verse 8 tells us while we are being patient. Listen to this. It says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. You know... Not only is it important for us to be patient, but it's important for us in the middle of that patience to stand firm. I believe that's a phrase that somebody needs to hear today. Stand firm. Because in the middle of the trials, in the middle of the suffering as it talks about in this passage, that's when it gets really tempting to kind of just give in a little bit. Maybe to give up entirely or maybe just to kind of start compromising. Little small compromises, you know, and you just start to slowly go down that path. But the reminder that James gives us is that it is so absolutely important for us to stand firm during those times. Times when we're tempted to give up. Times when it may frankly feel like God's not doing anything. You ever been there? It's like, I'm praying, I'm asking God for something, and I just don't see, I don't see it happening. And you could get frustrated, and, and, and you know, we know that we should be praying our hearts out, but it's hard to pray when you are disheartened, when you're feeling like, I, this just isn't going anywhere. And, and, and that's why I think some of us need to be reminded today to stand firm and to, to just continue to have that resolve, because a huge part of the battle is standing firm. It's not giving up. It's continuing to press on and continuing to persevere. And the example that it gives, and it says that we know that those who persevere are blessed. The prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord demonstrated patience. They weren't treated well, but they had a greater goal in mind. Their goal was to honor God. Their goal was to look forward ultimately to this reward that they had, so they continued to do it. And then in verse 11, it gives the example of Job. Job is one, it says that, that his perseverance is something that, that we should emulate. Job's perseverance, and he was blessed in that. You know, just really, if we, if we say what we're probably really thinking, it talks about being blessed as a result of perseverance. I don't know how many people think, I want to be blessed like Job. <laughs> I mean, Job was blessed, right? God blessed him 
before he went through all of his loss. God blessed him on the back end as he went through all of his loss. But most of us, when we think about Job, we don't think about the rich blessing of God on Job's life. Most of us probably think about all that he suffered and all that he went through and how difficult that was. But it, it does give him as an example of somebody who stood firm. And I think maybe one of the, the most well-known or most encouraging uh, things that Job said for us to hold on to comes from Job 13, 15. And that's where he said, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. And Job said, I don't, you know, I don't care what happens. I don't care you know, what is taken away. I don't care what suffering comes. There is nothing that can cause me to stop loving God and honoring God and serving God. Nothing's going to change that. And nothing's going to change the fact that his hope was in him. And so great encouragement for us there today um, that, that, that we can have that type of hope. And then you get to the end of that little uh, section there in verse 11, and there's this reminder, which I think is, is aptly positioned after talking about Job. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Anybody need to be reminded of that today? That the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Not just that God has a little bit of compassion and mercy, but that God is full of compassion and mercy. Sometimes we don't feel it, right? When we're in the midst of that, that suffering or that time where we're just trying to stand firm, we're just trying to, trying to hold it together. Maybe we don't feel God's compassion or feel God's mercy. But guys, I'm telling you, it's there. God is compassionate and God is merciful. The greatest expression of God's compassion and mercy is what he has done to bring us into his family. I mean, that's first and foremost if we question that what we should look at because God's compassion led him to take an extraordinary step in order to bring us into his family or at least give us an opportunity to be a part of his family the harsh reality is that our sin and every one of us is sinful but our sin separates us from God God could have left us in that condition but because he is compassionate because he loves us the way he does he said, I'm going to, to send my son Jesus into the world to become a sacrifice for us. I mean, that is God's compassion displayed unlike any other. And then God's mercy, the same is true there. God gives us mercy through Christ. So he sent his only begotten son Jesus to come to earth, to live as a human being, but God in human flesh to live a perfect life as only God could, but then to die in our place as only God would. That's what he has done for us. He has demonstrated compassion. He has demonstrated mercy so that through faith in Christ we can be forgiven and our sins can be canceled out because Jesus died to pay the price for those sins. God is full of compassion and he's full of, of mercy. And I just think we need to be reminded of that at times, especially when we are going through uh, difficulty and when, we are, when we're struggling. And certainly one of the things that I think all of us uh, know is that when we're going through times like that, we need, to, we need to be on our knees, right? We need to be seeking God in prayer. So as we continue on in verse 13 and following, that's really where he goes next. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. 
If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Here's the, the second main idea today, and that is that prayer carries us through the ups and downs. We need to persevere. Under, in, in times of trial, we need to, to demonstrate that kind of patience in suffering. But the way we do that is through prayer. And prayer is what carries us through the ups and downs. I love the fact that, that he emphasizes both. You know, it starts out by saying, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. I, I think this part of it, most of us, we, we probably don't need to be reminded of this too often. If you're in trouble, you pray. You turn to God for help. I think that can be a, a natural thing for us to do. But it's difficult to do sometimes too when you're hurting, right? You, you ever find yourself in a place where you're in trouble, you're suffering in some way or somebody that you love is or whatever and you just, you have a really heavy heart and you know that I need to pray about this. But you pray about it and you pray about it and you pray about it and sometimes it may feel to us like nothing is really changing, nothing is really happening and, and, and it's, you just kind of start to lose heart over that after a little while. It's like I don't know how long I can continue praying over this same thing when I'm just not seeing the type of movement. I mean, it, it gets difficult during those times. But let me, let me encourage you with a scripture at those times where you feel like, yeah, I know I should be praying, but I just don't have it in me. I just don't have the energy left to pray. I don't know what to pray anymore. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. As that is so encouraging that when, when we feel like I'm not even sure how to go about prayer right now. I'm not sure that I really even have the, the energy in me to be able to pray. The Spirit of God Himself will intercede for us. We just need to come to God and, and, and the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Especially during those times when uh, we're overwhelmed and those times when, we, when our hearts are real heavy. And maybe some of you find yourselves there today. Uh, as we do at many times, uh, where it's just, you know, God, we just need you to intervene here. And, and, and I hope that's encouraging to be reminded of that. But um, prayer is something that, that we turn to during the difficult times when we're in trouble. But, but I love that he follows that right up with, you know, it's, is anyone in trouble? Let him pray. But then is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Isn't this great? Because now, now what we're being reminded of is that prayer is not something just reserved for times of need. It's not just when I'm in trouble, but it's, it's you know, when, I'm, when I'm happy, when things are going well. That's a great time to communicate with God as well. It's a great time to express prayer. And by the way, when it says sing songs of praise, you ever stop to think about that that is a form of prayer? That is a, because what is prayer? Prayer is communicating with God. And when we pray, it should be both listening, speaking, and listening. 
And singing songs of, of praise to God is an opportunity many times to communicate something to God. This is something that I'm saying to God or, or, or about God's character. I'm giving praise to God. But there are times also where we listen and, and maybe through the words of a song that we sing or whatever, um, that, that we are hearing God speak to us as well. And so we should view that as a form of prayer. When we praise God, it's a form of prayer. Which, by the way, is why it is so important when we do that, uh, whether that be individually or, or, or especially when we think about praising God. A lot of times we probably think about doing that corporately when we come together because that's typically where we think about at least singing songs of praise to God probably more than any other place. That's why when we do that, we should do that with all of our heart. You know, it's not something that, you know, you just kind of put up with and kind of, you know, kind of bored with this or that, you know, that let's wait until the, you know, the, the, the real part of the service comes. No, th this is a, an opportunity for us to really to, to pray, to express our gratitude, even during times of difficulty, which is maybe even more important. So, so we sing songs of praise to God. Now, I, I know that, Anytime we try to compare God to uh, a human relationship, eventually those analogies are going to break down at some point. Okay, Because God is different. I understand that God is, is not like us. But I, I do think there are principles and things that, that, that are helpful, at least for me in my mind, to grasp onto that help me understand some principles of Scripture. And so when it comes to this idea of praying to God during the good times and the bad times, this is the way I think about it. I think about it in terms of a human relationship because our communication with God, our communion with God is, is a relationship. Now, again, he's not human. He's not exactly like us, but we are created in God's image. So there are some similarities there. And I think about the way a relationship dynamic works. Um, I don't want to be the kind of person or the kind of friend to somebody that the only time they hear from me is when I'm in trouble and I need something from them, right? I don't think any of us wants to be that person. I don't want to be that person that if they see the, the phone's calling, oh, it's Blake on the line, I wonder what's wrong and what does he need from me this time, right? That's, that's not a healthy dynamic. A healthy dynamic is you communicate with somebody in the good times as well. You want to share those, you know, with people that you love, people you're close to. It's like, I want to share this. This is something funny that happened or this is something good that happened. And so we communicate around those things. Uh, but then you also do have communication at your most difficult times, right? It's both. One without the other. And I would say if all it ever is, is just, you know, all the good and everything's good, everything's positive all the time then do you really have a depth of relationship with that person if you can't also open up and say, but let me tell you where I'm really struggling right now too. In fact, that's where real um, closeness in a relationship develops is when you are willing to make yourself vulnerable and say, this is, this is where I'm struggling. And that's what it gets at as it continues on in this passage. And it talks about calling the elders of the church you know, to anoint those who are sick. And, and, and that is something that we do and practice because of what scripture says um, and it says that that part of that process as you get down into verse 16 is to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other he's talking about having a level of openness a level of vulnerability and of trust with other people where we are are willing to say this is what I'm struggling with this is what is most difficult but that that command there I love that command of you know 
get together, call the elders of the church to pray, anoint with oil, which I believe is simply a physical action that is symbolic of our belief in God's ability and power to heal. And so you anoint with oil, not because there's anything you know, magic in the oil, but because it is a symbol to say, God, we're doing this believing that you are a God who brings healing. And that's what it gets out there when it says the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The in faith is such a key component here, whether we're praying you know, for, for, for healing or whatever it may be. But when we pray, praying in faith, and faith means that we are believing that God will respond to our prayer. Faith also means that we are trusting God for his answer. That, that we have the mindset of Jesus when he prayed, you know, God, I'm laying this before you, not, but not my will, but yours be done. But, but there's this, both this expectation of God to work. There's a trust in God that no matter, you know, how you respond to this, I'm going to continue to trust you. But it's a prayer in faith. Not the anointing with oil that heals. In fact, it's not even the prayer that heals. It's the prayer that puts you in touch with God, and God is the one who heals. That's, that's that in faith portion of what he's talking about there. But then he also goes on, and, and in the context immediately, that you know, the sick person will be made well. He's talking about somebody with a physical ailment of some sort. Uh, but then it says the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So there's also a spiritual component here that is so important. That, that there is spiritual healing as well that comes when we pray together, when we are willing to really open up uh, our hearts to one another and, and to, to pray and to, to seek God uh, in the midst of those things. So having those types of relationships, it's huge. And I don't speak that just from, you know, this is what Scripture says and, and that's true, but I also speak that from personal experience. To know that you know, when, when your heart's heavy, when you're struggling, when you're going through a difficult time, and you know there are people in your life that are there with you to, to pray. Uh, there have been times, honestly, where I'm like, I just, I just don't feel it like I have the energy to pray right now. But knowing that somebody else is, is a big deal, right? It's almost like somebody else can, can take that torch for a little while on our behalf, and we can do that for one another. But that only happens as we have the, the level of really being willing to open up, as verse 16 talks about, and, and honestly say, this is where I'm at, and, and, and this is what I need. And, and that doesn't happen overnight either. That happens because you invest relationally and because you, um, you know, pour yourself into building a relationship, and that, that can take some time. But, and that's why it's so important you hear us talk about over and over and over again uh, how important spiritual community is and how we need those relationships. And this is another example of, uh, of, of why that is the case. So can't overemphasize the importance of not only a direct relationship with God, but the relationship with God's people that enables us uh, to have that extra support as well. So here's what I think some may be thinking at this point, and that is, yeah, that sounds good. And I believe all of that, but I just don't think that's me. And, and I want to close with just a reminder of what it says about Elijah. And it's time to wrap up, so I'm just going to close with this, with this one thought real quick here. It says that Elijah was a human being just like we are. There wasn't anything special about him. There wasn't anything unique about him. Here is just another person who had faith in God, who lived out the power of God. He prayed. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and God sent rain. 
this isn't something that is reserved only for special spiritual people. Guys, you and I can tap into that power of prayer right now in our lives. And when we do, it's going to be the very thing that we need to give us this endurance uh, as we go through the trials that we go through. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you today for your faithfulness and pray that even in the times of struggle that you would give us perseverance. Lord, I pray that we are turning to you, that we are trusting in you, that God, when we come to the end of ourselves, that that would be okay because it would put us in a place where we can um, see you step in and do what only you can do. So I pray for that today, wherever we may be, and whatever the struggles may be, Lord, would you help us to, to be able to pray for one another, but also just to lean on you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, guys, I just want to encourage you to take um, whatever that next step is to, to be able to have the perseverance. You, you may be struggling right now, and if you are, we'd like to know it. Uh, Sean mentioned this earlier during the welcome, but we have people that, that are standing by now that would love to know how they can pray with you. If you'll text the word prayer uh, to the number that, that you see on the screen there, uh, same number that you send that word response to. If you want to share with us a particular decision, then text the word response. If you simply want somebody to pray with you today, then text the word prayer. But, but it's a big deal for us to be able to, to share with one another. This is where I'm at. For some, it may be that, that you need to respond in faith to uh, what Christ has done for you. And so we would love to know that. We would love to know how we could come alongside you. So text that word, either the word prayer to have someone pray with you, or the word response to indicate what that next step is and let us know how God is leading you to take a next step moving forward. Stephen, I'm going to turn it over to you. We were kind of disappointed today when we realized that we didn't wear the same pants, but we kind yeah. of had the same, you know, we could have almost been matching today, similar shirt. You, but you make it look way better yeah, than I do. Yeah, I don't do. know about and that. And remember I said that when it comes to bonus time.